So be honest with me. If you had the ability to see through eyes of animals, how much would you use that power to just perv on fucking... <laughs> Like, <laughs> women changing. I know where this is going. Yeah. We had this conversation a little bit. Nobody uh, who's mad looks out the window, sees a bird, and it's like, I better stop mad and just keep going. <laughs> I guess right? it depends how deep the eye contact is with that bird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which, <laughs> what animal do you think would be the best to commune with if you were looking to... Uh, oh, birds, 100%. Oh, okay. I'm going to throw this out there, and I apologize in advance. Dogs. If you okay, if you own a dog, you, often you, they stay in the bedroom when no, things happen. I, I was gonna say, if you have you ever met a single lady who has a dog? Oh goodness, no! Are you going with the peanut butter theory? <laughs> I did not say that. I did not say that. Oh my god! I don't know that that would be a can great. Can you taste vision. what the animal tastes? No. Oh my god! You can see maybe. Is <laughs> I don't know if that would be great for you. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. What were those donkeys from uh, like those donkey shows in Mexico? Oh my god! Can you, <laughs> no? We are all the way off the rails, and this episode hasn't even begun. <laughs> Welcome to Bad Movies and Beer. I'm Cooper, and I'm Nolan, and today. <laughs> we, <laughs> We I are. Was, uh, I was gonna say a fly <laughs> on a wall. I was gonna be like, you could see a lot of things. I was not going. Why animals. be a fly on you a wall? You want to be involved be a, in the sex a donkey, act, yeah. a Tijuana prostitute. Holy crap! What was it? Uh, <laughs> a hamster and Richard Gear? Is that? Oh, the- what? <laughs> oh. I know what the inside of Richard Gear's <laughs> is like. Welcome <laughs> to Bad Movies of Beer. I'm Cooper. Uh, we already did this. I'm not. I know, but I'm the bleep out so much of it. And uh, today oh. we are <laughs> discussing. The Beastmaster, a movie that has somehow forced us to consider all the things we were just talking about. Uh, this is a longtime staple of cable television. So you said you had never seen this before, and that blows my mind because I, as a child, had TBS, which jokingly was referred to as the Beastmaster station because Beastmaster was on so much. You never saw it? No, no, this is definitely the first time I've ever seen it. It's funny because I loved a lot of movies that had a similar kind of style back You're then. You're a sword and sorcery guy. Oh, God, hard. But I think maybe because it came out the year we were born. Um, <laughs> yeah, but that's, it was on. Uh, I guess it was around in on. I probably wasn't watching TBS until I was in my, like, I don't know, almost early teens or, like, later in my single digit years. So I guess it was probably... Not on that often at that point. TBS was one, and apparently HBO was the other one. I think it was Dennis Miller, someone who we're going to see in an episode coming up soon, had a joke. HBO stood for Hey Beastmasters on. Like they were really? both on. It was a staple. It was That's a cable hilarious. TV staple. Yeah. And so this all seems new to me. I don't know. I, I can see why you might play this. There's a lot of scenes that might grab people and make them want to stick around and watch it, but. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dude, I mentioned like, when I, as a kid, would flip the chance, I would see this on. I'd be like, what the fuck is happening here? Like, you know, there's sword fights, there's explosions. Shockingly, like a low amount of blood. There's like no blood in this. Yeah. No, it's fairly tame in terms of what it would get a rating for, I think. I don't, I didn't look at it, but it, it, it would definitely probably be a like PG 13 kind of thing here. I mean, there's a little nudity, but just a little, probably yeah. less than there could have or should have been. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, here I am talking about using animal powers to yeah. fucking spy on the living. More than spy. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that's what we're talking about today. Uh, just a legendary movie. One that got the vinegar syndrome VSU treatment. Like they're kind of deluxe packaging here. 
And again, we've had so many Vinegar Syndrome movies already. What a great, great company for physical media releases. <laughs> Here we I are know. again. I know. They brought a lot of great stuff to us. You are a frequent purchaser from uh, their catalog for sure. And oh, it, big time. Yeah. It's made a great amount of fun for our podcast, For uh, definitely. What does the VSU stand for? Vinegar Syndrome Ultra. Ooh. Yeah. So we got the ultras today. That's like ribbed for her pleasure kind this of is stuff. A- <laughs> Exactly. This is like just a fantastic physical media release. Can't say enough good things about Vinegar Syndrome. Like you mentioned, they are kind of like, they're they're an unofficial favorite of our podcast. We love you, Vinegar Syndrome. We do. Absolutely. And uh, we're also hopefully going to love the beer we're having today. What today... What are we drinking today? (laughs) Which day are we going to drink this beer? Today. Okay. Lots of beers out there that have connections to animals, but we thought this would be... A really fun one to try. It's called Little Beast Brewing Company. Ah. Yeah. So right connection here with our Beastmaster. And they have a lot of great selection on there. And so many we could have chosen from. But we've picked one called Pinion, we think. Or Pinion? I don't know. Pinion. Pinion. It's uh, a cool art on here of a hawk sort of flying down into flames in action, which connected really closely to one of the animals that our Beastmaster in the movie sees through its eyes and has it fight for him. This oh, he's got a hawk. Yeah. And apparently, pinion, this word means, that's something like the bird's wingspan. So there's a connection there as well. Good good for the hawk connection. Nice. So this is a 5.5% pale ale. I'm really looking forward to trying this one. We have been drinking a whole bunch of mix of stuff this season. Yeah. Uh, not a ton of pale ales, though. So I'm, no. I'm excited. This is probably my favorite style of beer, so... Yeah, we had an extra pill a couple weeks ago. Last week, we had the uh, sour smoothie, which is like barely even a beer. This, uh, you know, I'm okay with pale ales. IPAs, no. Um, pale ales, I'm okay with. Hopefully, this will be good. Let's, uh, yeah. let's see if we give it a try. Yeah, Little Beast. No, not yet. Uh, well, Little Beast, I just want to give a shout out to them. Little Beast Brewery, I haven't been, but uh, I've heard really good things about. Apparently, they have a bunch of space where they have picnic tables and board games and lots of food companies come in and serve people. So oh, cool, if you're ever in the Whippy area, you get a chance to visit them. Uh, I think it's, it's worth a stop by for sure. Nice. Well, uh, what do you say we crack these open and find out uh, what this is all about? I love it. Let's do it. This part killed me. The movie starts, before we see anything, with the production company, Leisure Investment Company Presents <laughs> The Beastmaster. What the fuck is this? Oh, that sounds great. It makes me think about Leisure Suit Larry. I'm thinking this is going to get... Oh, my uh, God. Yeah, over the board right away here, but... Uh, <laughs> it takes a little while. It gets overboard a little bit later. Yeah. But yeah, man, The Beastmaster, we get some epic music. While the credits play over some frozen images of Beast, a panther, a hawk, which will end up being his two greatest allies. No Mm. ferrets, though, in the credits. I guess ferrets aren't sexy enough to make the credits. I mean, they're no panther or hawk for sure. From there, we open with three cloaked figures walking towards what is clearly a model of a temple. We also see three semi-nude women grinding up against a cauldron. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this starts out a little bit hot. We've got some sort of chanting and some kind of sexy ladies in like clear thongs with barely covered grinding against this stuff. And it seems like some kind of ritual is happening. Oh yeah, they seem sexy at first, but then one of the cloaked men, Rip Torn, uh, pulls his hood off. And the three men tell him that the prophecy dooms him. When they turn to look at him and tell him this, we see their faces. And uh, this might be the quickest I've ever lost an erection. (laughs) (laughs) They went from three sexy grinding ladies to 
what has to be three like swamp monster looking women, but only their heads are swamp monster. Yeah, yet. I refer to them as the butterface witches for the rest of this uh, movie because like they for the, again they're like oh very sexy they turn and they're like ah oh. yeah and they've got them in like alluring gear and stuff and I don't know if this is to try to I don't know lure in enemies or something and then once they get close enough and realize that they are evil witches their face is definitely a witch giveaway. Oh my god, big time. Now, the king of the uh, area suddenly enters, and he banishes Rip Torn from the kingdom. You are banished for life. In Arak, no one will remember your name. Go practice your heathen religion in the outlands with the barbarian Johns. See, apparently, Rip Torn is going to do a sacrifice of an unborn child that may or may not belong to the king. It does belong to the king. Yep. Um, as he's escorted out, Rip Torn makes deep eye contact with a mysterious villager. And moments later, we see that same mysterious villager breaking into the home of the king and the child's mother and pouring some neon blue sponge on their fucking necks, which uh, <laughs> I guess like kills the mother and somehow puts the baby in a cow. What the fuck is going on here? Yeah, I think this liquid was used to somehow incapacitate them, make it so they couldn't fight, and then she used her magic to transfer the baby from inside the mother to inside of a cow. Yeah, we have a clearly pregnant uh, human belly, and then all of a sudden something happens. Now you see the cow's like belly kind of expands, and the baby's in there, and the woman's belly is like shrunken. It's really strange. But what I'm going to say for pre-CG, this actually looks pretty good. Like, they do it in... <laughs> In terms of the stomach, Listen, right? Yeah. The the magic well, in terms of the neon, the neon blue. shit is garbage. Yeah, there's... I didn't think it looked that bad. At least it wasn't like fucking animation, like yeah. the fucking stuff in the Dungeon Master way Ooh. back in our first season. <laughs> it's a good reference, though. This has a similar vibe to the Dungeon Master movies for sure. Not quite. It the makes way more sense. Plot. Yeah, it makes way more sense. Yeah, yeah but yeah. Uh, so. From there, we cut to that same mysterious villager, who must be one of the witches also, standing next to a fire, and we can see that the baby has been cut out of the cow. But before the witch can sacrifice it, a random passerby sees her, kills her, and saves the baby, but not before she brands its hand with some kind of symbol. Uh, he also fights off what I think is a second witch, after a back and forth that sees her throw him over the fire and him stab her right through the heart. This is a interesting set of scenes. It's obvious probably to the viewer that this is going to be the Beastmaster, right? We've got our hero here. This villager comes out of nowhere. He clearly has skills though because he throws some kind of like boomerang-ish weapon at her. It kind of reminds me of Xena, Warrior Princess, the like okay. thing that she chucks around. Uh, different shape, but same kind of idea. She, he uses that to, to attack, and we get more of that later in the movie. But he, after a struggle, you're right, he does save the baby, and then he dumps it in a fire, right? The baby? No. Yeah. What? <laughs> of course. We know no. that he's going to raise him, and then this is going to be the story of our, sa our hero here for our movie. Yeah, from there, we see him take the baby to a different village and begin training him in combat. But as we quickly learn, this child is no ordinary child. This child can talk to the animals. Yeah. So they're doing a bit of a training session here, and the dad's teaching him to use this throwing weapon. 
When they do, they throw it at another villager and knock his hat off, and then they have a good laugh at the expense of the villager until that villager gets mauled to death by a bear. Oh, very much so, yeah. We don't see the bear at first. The villager gets pulled back into the bushes we hear screaming, but the child could, like, sense this was happening and kind of told his father to back off. This all basically culminates with uh, this guy giving him the kind of Uncle Ben with great power comes great responsibility speech. It's interesting you say the Uncle Ben with great power comes great responsibility kind of thing because once this is over, we very quickly transition to this boy becoming a man and it definitely looks like Luke Skywalker. Oh my God, so much. Like a poor man's loincloth Luke Skywalker. Uh, (laughs) That's the Beastmaster. He's an adult now. We see him kind of slide down a rope. He's like tilling a field. And eventually he senses an approaching threat, which is an invading horde who quickly attacks the village, pillages, shirt rips. They rip a couple of shirts off some ladies there, exposing some breasts. And they end up killing his adopted father and his beloved pet wolf. And who is leading that invading horde? It's Rip Torn, of course. We're not done with him yet. No, he's out there. He wants that group of invading villagers to sort of scour the lands and kill everyone so that prophecy can't come true, right? He's worried about getting killed by that child, and he knows that child escapes. Now, our hero, though, he gets back and tries to save the day but gets knocked out. He does. Now, he manages to survive after his pet wolf fucking drags him into the woods, despite the fact that the wolf is like one-third of his size. This was fucking laughable. Yes, this wolf was super determined. It had already been hit by an arrow, and it used its full strength to drag our hero into the woods away from the fray, which was a good thing, because when he wakes up and heads back to the village, is there anyone left alive? Oh, no. He is totally homeless and alone at this point. A hobo without a shotgun. But what he does have is a new bird friend. He's also got some information from the memory of his dead father. And if anything should happen to me, look for our enemies, the Johns, and you may search for your destiny in the Valley of Arok. And then we get our first instance of the hawk cam. <laughs> it's these flying overhead shots from like a bird's eye view. And like, I, I don't know how they did the good on that. They must have spent a little money on this. Helicopters probably? You're right. This is the time where we meet his first creature companion. Um, we, he had the wolf there, so we know that there's some connection, but we never got any wolf cam. We get some straight camera angles coming out and flying around, which is a pretty cool effect. One of the things about this movie so far that I was impressed with was kind of the scenery and setting that they set in. Uh, There's some really cool spaces and backgrounds. They chose a great place to have a, I don't know, you would say this is a future or post-reality kind of sword and sorcery, right? Like there's no evidence of modern life in any of the things they visit oh no i think what you're saying is like there are clearly some models in this but it's the uh this the location of where they shot yeah i agree it's mountainy and deserty they do a good job with the set building in terms of making it feel like it's appropriate and in time appropriate too the models are are well done but clearly models right that's something that just doesn't age well over time you could do a really good job with computers now that someone probably spent like a fucking year building those models to make them look cool. I agree, but then if they did it nowadays, they also wouldn't have shot in those locations. They would have had clearly a green screen. It would have been like whatever. So in a weird way, I'm almost better with them having the models of the temple and whatever else in the village in order for them to actually shoot on location for the up-close stuff. So that's just me, though. I have a personal preference, obviously. That's fair. You would have like really taken back if that like scene at the end wasn't on a mountain, right? Like that was just weird. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's de- we'll leave don't that spoil it. We'll yeah. cut that out. We'll cut that out. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, speaking of sexy things, we get some gratuitous muscle shots of him exercising with a big stick on a cliff. Uh, this is where we also find out that he speaks hawk, apparently. At one point, the hawk's flying by, and he just fucking, like, caws at it. And the, and the hawk the responds. I wish they had included uh. subtitles for when the animals are talking to him, because we had a few scenes where the animals are, like, making sounds. He's, like, watching them intently. I feel like subtitles would have made this even more hilarious, but they weren't trying to be funny, I guess. No, I like that they didn't. It leaves it up to your imagination. They let you feel like they are really communicating. It would have made it more laughable if someone had Oh, big time. It. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we also see him working a new sword. He finds a sword in the wreckage of his village, so he's got that as well. From there, we get a visit from two ferrets who steal his belt and cause him to hilariously fall into quicksand. Luckily, he's able to talk to the ferrets, and he convinces them to chew through a branch so that he can pull himself out. He then decides to name them Kodo and Podo and carry them around in a sack. (laughs) Yeah, this is a strangely dramatic scene. The funniest part was when he chased after them and nearly fell headfirst down this, like, cliff edge. Yeah. He slides down. He does land in this quicksand. This is a patented movie quicksand, which doesn't really exist in real life, but is fun for film. And that set their relationship up for the rest of the movie, right? These were his good pals. He calls them his thieves, right? His sort of smart creature animals that'll help him outfox others. So they're with him, and he's got his first... Well, I guess the hawk is already his animal buddy, but he's yeah. got a, another set of animal buddies to help he him He calls out. them his little ones also. Yes. My little ones. Yeah, yeah. That's a little creepy. Very protective of them. That's not the creepiest thing this movie by Hot Mile. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> um, so after this happens, we see that not only can he talk to animals, he can also see what they see as a bit of the hawk vision leads to a panther who's in danger. And by panther, I mean what is clearly a painted tiger. This is not a (laughs) panther's body or face shape. It's a tiger that's been painted black, right? Yeah, why did they bother with this? Why couldn't they have just left it a striped tiger? We both called this right away. Give them a fucking tiger to be a panther. Maybe maybe they're like, oh, tigers aren't indigenous to this region. Who the fuck gives a shit? This is a made-up place. So... Tigers wouldn't be from that area. Uh, who cares? Nothing is from this area. It's completely made up. Yeah. They created their own world. Yeah, it was hard because it's clear that they painted a tiger all black. And then later in the movie, especially when the tiger was near water, you would get scenes where you could clearly see its stripes. So this was a funny choice. But So he gets the vision of this tiger in trouble. And, of course, he's going to jump into action. So his hawk and his ferrets and himself... Head over to see what's happening. Ah, but before he can rescue this panther, he gets jumped, which starts a whole action scene. This is the scene that I realized kind of what we were in for here, as this action is just ridiculous. They try (laughs) to cover it up with certain camera angles and editing, but it is very clear that they are not really hitting each other with these swords. In a way, the editing and like the attempt by them to kind of clean this up actually makes it worse. It's like more noticeable. Yes, it, it was definitely that way. I felt it was very choreographed, right? Most of yeah. the action, everyone knew where they were supposed to be, but there was a lot of good like flipping over each other's backs and like swords in the right places and those kind of things as they went through. But again, no blood, which is so strange. He yes. kills like three dudes with swords and there's not even a drop of blood, which has to be a rating thing, right? I think so, or they couldn't do it in a realistic way, so it's better not to do it at all. Oh, right, because the rest of the dudes movie is so realistic. They had to really be concerned about that. Come on. I know, but it looks so bad when the blood looks super fake. It's that bright red. Yeah, yeah. When instead of 
like I would rather it be this way and not have an attempt at blood if it was going to be shit than <laughs> to add it in there and have the shit blood effects, right? Well, fair enough. Congratulations, Leisure Investment Company. Uh, Noel's <laughs> on board with your decision here. Um, he's gained a new friend in this process. Now he's got the panther slash uh, tiger. And in the next scene, he finds a couple of topless ladies, one of whom is former Bond girl and Donna's mom from that 70s show, Tanya Roberts. <laughs> That's the only nudity in the whole movie besides the sheriffs in that village raid earlier. Yeah, I know. It, and it happens way too early, right? There was so much opportunity for more. You were outraged that this is all we got. <laughs> I wasn't outraged. I was surprised. <laughs> I was just surprised. It's weird, though, because it's a funny transition, right? We go from a fight and him sort of having his full animal crew immediately into women bathing under a waterfall. It gets uh, a little bit, like, schemy and creepy here. Oh, yeah, big time. You mean, you mean when he saves her life yeah. from uh, a certain vicious panther that is threatening her? <laughs> I'm just looking at air quote everything because he says he sends the panther to, like, basically put her in danger so he can save her from the panther and be like, well, I saved your life. How about you that's essentially what happened. You owe me your life, but I'll accept this as payment. Yeah, so he has his team, and the first thing he decides to do with it is, like, sexually assault a woman. <laughs> well, now, hang on. I would more describe it as sexually entrapping a woman. He doesn't actually assault her, although he does he kind does of force, force her down and get on her, too, yeah. and climbs on top of her. This is There's a- no, no genitals get exposed, though. He isn't touching any like erogenous zones. He's threatening it. Listen, it's yeah. not a good look, but I feel like it's not as bad as you. You reacted immediately because you're the fucking chief of the PC police. You were just like right away. I mean, I was wee, hoping for wee, some wee. great consensual touching, but that's clearly not what this was at this time. That will come later after we find out that they're cousins. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he tells her she can pay him back with that but she says no dice. As it turns out, she's a slave in the nearby kingdom and has to get back. Gee, I wonder if the uh, person enslaving her will end up being ripped torn. What do you think? Yeah, who who could possibly be enslaving everybody and keeping them captive? Yeah, I have I no idea. Know. They didn't foreshadow this at all. There is a lot of convenient connections between story and people in this, for sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Float. Yeah, definitely. Uh, he decides to follow her. And he finds a strange tree with these luminous hanging globes. They kind of look like lit up scrotums. <laughs> There's a, uh, <laughs> they, I'm serious. Yeah, that's not wrong. They were white and hanging and sack like. It kind of reminded me of killer clowns. Uh, I oh, was expecting right, right. Yeah, yeah. people to be mummified in there and then alien clowns to come out. And- what a great crossover that would have been, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, there's also a guy imprisoned there and a strange cauldron with a human head floating in it. We get a little jump square. Yeah, it floats up to the top as our hero is stirring it um they all kind of hop away our hero cuts the rope on the cage holding the prisoner but right as they're trying to escape a whole bunch of what look like alien bird creatures appear yeah uh they grab the guy who he lets out of the cage and they kind of like consume him they don't have arms they kind of have these like wings you see them kind of hug the guy and then all of a sudden you see his feet shaking as his goo kind of pours down like a suitably creepy effect i feel luckily for the Beastmaster, these creatures whatever they are worship birds and so he has his hawk fly down and not only do they back off they give him some kind of amulet give him a medallion i think this is something where 
they recognize his connection to the hawk and to birds. And that hawk amulet or the sort of medallion they give him is going to be important later. I mean, I guess this in my notes is where the first time, but not the last that I wrote down, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. We've talked about this in previous episodes. Every so often you get to a point where you're like, I am completely lost. This was the first, but not last for me. So in this one, I think they are laying this groundwork. They could have easily made this story with not encountering these creatures, but I think they wanted to have them in here so that they had an answer to a problem later in the movie. But this definitely feels out of place in the world that we're in. I agree. Now, we do get some clarification on what's going on in a second, though, as the Beastmaster spots the same temple from the beginning of the movie. He enters it and finds Rip Torn doing what he loves most, sacrificing children. At this point in the movie, I was like, if you live in this village, why even have kids? They're just sacrificing <laughs> kids left, right, and center. What's the point? So I, I have the very simple answer for you. Are you going to stop f***ing? I guess that's true. You know what? There were no fucking dogs. Yeah, yeah, they weren't wrapping anything up at that point, right? There's no birth control. You weren't going to be wrapping that up in that fantasy world. So that's why kids are being had. It's ridiculous, though, to me that he is still throwing children onto fires to sacrifice them when it's been like 20 years. Riptorn, playing the hits. Yeah, but (laughs) Riptorn must know that the child who's supposed to kill him would be an adult by now. Maybe. Rip Torn <laughs> tries to sacrifice a second child now, but the Beastmaster sends his hawk to catch it before it falls into the fire. This scene was just incredible because <laughs> never for a second did it look like an actual hawk was saving an actual child. I mean, we get a good camera shot of the hawk's point of view. It's coming down. It flies right over Rip Torn. He looks a little shocked at this moment, and it grabs the kid right as it's about to hit the fire. Now, the shot of the hawk carrying a shadowed image of a child off into the distance. It's ridiculous. Come on. Not so real. No. What happens to all the followers, though, of this religion in our, like, our religion or whatever it's called? I have no fucking idea what happens. Oh, they all bow down. It's a fucking miracle, man. Oh, that's right. It's a sign from our. Yeah, they all bow down, except for the Beastmaster, who just stands there making deep eye contact with Rip Torn as if to say, hey, motherfucker. I see I'm you. I'm coming for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. He he knows who the villain is here. He knows that this guy's the head of the Jund army and all of this depravity that's happening here. He wants to save that girl that he saw her tits and hope to bang. <laughs> <laughs> who ends up being his own cousin. Yeah, well, Spoilers. yeah, yeah. Spoiler. Um, so we know the game is on here. It transitions from this hawk carrying a kid off into the distance to nighttime with yeah and the beastmaster carrying a large sack which, which <laughs> we were hoping there was a child that was alive in there it but we is. weren't sure we weren't yeah. sure it was a he's little gotta, sketchy he's gotta hide the kid so he can return it to his parents and he does in addition to serving him a delicious hot meal they also give him a heaping portion of backstory as they basically explain the village's history uh his own part in it And what's going to happen to Tanya Roberts? She is going to be sacrificed along with the other slave girls. Yeah, after offering up his wife for a quick bang with Dar, the Beastmaster, this guy gives him all that information. Wait a minute, that doesn't happen. Does that happen? Oh, yeah. No, it doesn't. Stop it. I don't remember that. Well, you missed out. He serves up his wife because... No, you're a liar. That's a lie. <laughs> he gave. He offered him everything. He offered everything. He said, whatever you want, it's yours to take. Thanks for saving my son. Please bang my wife. Yeah. No, that's not correct. Okay. Well... Ignore that, everyone. We should rewatch it to see. From there, we get a close call for the Beastmaster. As one of Rip Torn's disciples finds him getting a drink from a waterfall, 
and tries to kill him after showing Rip Torn through a cool, like, eyeball ring. This was a surprisingly good effect. The eyeball ring? Yeah. Yeah, this is interesting. So the ring is on one of Rip Torn's followers. This is what allows the uh, witches and Rip Torn to see the Beastmaster. He confirms with this follower that he needs to kill him, and a noose wraps around our hero's neck here. Yeah, he tries to strangle him, but no luck. The panther comes to the rescue and kills this guy, and the Beastmaster meets a familiar face from the start of this movie. It's one of the king's guards who, what with the king's uh, murder-slash-disappearance, is now out on his own, and it turns out they're both heading to the same place, the Temple of R. so we've got ourselves an old-fashioned team-up. <laughs> yeah, so... He's already gathered the beast to help him on his adventure. He walks away with that creepy ring, though. That's in tow with his ferrets, um, which we'll come back later. And he makes some new partners. Seth, I think, is this guard's name. And then there's also a younger boy with Seth called Tar. I thought it was Tall. Tall. Yes, you're right, Tall. So Towel? <laughs> I think it's T-A-L. It's never really clear how they met or why they're together. Well, we do find out that Tal is the king's son. So One I, of. Yeah, one of. So, so apparently the king... Uh, he likes to get around. Apparently. We talked about no Jimmy hats in this day. We king know goes that, on yeah, a world, King goes on a world tour. Yeah, the king's been laying seed everywhere. These are just uh-huh. two that we know. Uh-huh. These are just the two children we know. We know yeah. royalty does not hold back. Um, so they come into the picture when they save our panther slash tiger, right? It was captured into a pit. And it's trapped, yeah. They put a log down there and it climbs up the log. Yeah. Because apparently tigers are excellent tree climbers. That is true. Yeah, I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah. Yeah. And, are uh, panthers excellent uh, tree yes, climbers? Yes, they both okay. are. Okay. <laughs> um, so it's, they now have more friends. His party is growing and they're going to work together to sort of fight this evil empire. And they're headed off to go save... In fact, the same woman. It sounds like they're all interested in saving the same person. Oh, well, luckily for them, the Beastmaster's hawk vision tips him off to where Tanya Roberts is. So they're off to save her after much preparation, which apparently means them making a raft complete with carved ornamental dragon heads. This raft is so interesting. Did they make this now? No. So I think they make a raft, but the thing you're referring to was the bridge they used to get across no, the No, no, no. No, no. The raft has the carved Does whatever. it? Yeah. Yes, so 100%. They spent a lot of time, I guess, carving this out. Maybe one of them is a tremendous carpenter. We, we got to save her. Let's spend fucking uh, eight weeks carving this intricate <laughs> raft. Either way, they, they immediately rescue her. Um she convinces the Beastmaster to help the other slave girls by basically offering to let him put it wherever he wants. And There's uh, a big makeout scene here. She makes out with him um, on the yeah. raft in front of her cousin. The the little kid. Yeah. But she's also the Beastmaster's cousin. We don't know that yet. Yeah, though. but yeah. There is a funny moment here where the kid is like, I think he's going to help us. I have a feeling he might. <laughs> As he steers the raft with his giant erection. <laughs> <laughs> they do insinuate the oar of the raft to be a dick. And <laughs> <laughs> it's very phallic. Um, <laughs> they enlist the help of that kid's father from earlier, the one they were going to fucking kill in the fire. He's kind of bumbling, but yeah. he's able to help them uh, secure entrance into the castle. So they're trying. Yeah, to- where the Beastmaster has to like shimmy past some leather spike monsters with glowing eyes. They're the Death Guards, which uh, I think is a pretty good band name. <laughs> These Death Guards are full S&M. 
They, Big time. Yeah. They've got large uh, leather cod pieces that are covered in spikes. Yeah, and they're then, wearing underneath their leather assless chaps. Yeah. yeah. So Which are also spiked. <laughs> they're ready to go in any kind of sexual dungeon scenario. Apparently, they're created by, like, melting their brain with some weird green gooey liquid. Yeah, we see this. They hold them down, and they drop, like, a neon green leech into their ears. Like, Wrath of Khan style. You ever see Star Trek II Wrath of Khan? Absolutely. They get control of their minds by dropping those creatures in the ear. Those weren't neon green, but it's very similar. Yeah, thing. you're right. That's uh, one of the best soundtracks in a movie ever. They have a Wrath f- of Khan? Yes, fantastically done. Um, actually studied it in a like course on movies and soundtracks. Oh, I guess I'll yeah. take your word for it. You are a big uh, fucking movie soundtrack guy for some reason. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. you're saying that like it's a bad thing. It's just it's surprising <laughs> to me always. Uh, he the Beastmaster that is the Beastmaster has his ferret steal some keys and they make their way further into the castle where they find the king. He's not dead after all. He's been blinded though. Well, he's been blinded, and just then, Rip Torn appears with another one of those Butterface witches, and she tries to kill the Beastmaster, but thanks to some more help from that panther, the Beastmaster is able to split her open from stomach to sn- Yeah, so You tipped a- me off to this. I didn't notice it, but he <laughs> cuts her right down the center. Yeah, this is an interesting scene. Um, so they make their way into the castle. They fight through those weird sort of S&M guards, they find the jail cell where the king, both the Beastmaster and Tal's father is, and they're caught. Now, this witch kind of blinds our Beastmaster. She uses some kind of magic spell, but he uses the vision from the tiger. Yeah, you can see where she is is above, and this is kind of funny. You're right. He plunges it right into her torso and drags it all the way down. Right down Main Street. Yeah, it's going to be a lot looser in there. uh, Oh, come on, man. Um, So we transition from him slitting that uh, witch (laughs) right where it counts. That's a terrible expression. (laughs) (laughs) And we see our sort of evil villain escape, right? Riptorn gets out of there. Oh, he does. And uh, speaking of getting away, we've been cutting back and forth the scenes of the two ferrets being chased by one of the death guards. And although the Beastmaster and the King and Tanya Roberts are on the cusp of escaping, and they clearly don't need these keys anyway, the Beastmaster decides he can't leave his little ones behind. Luckily, they arrive right on time. Not to help, obviously, as they're already basically out of there. But just to not get killed by the Death Guard. And the Beastmaster scoops them up and makes his escape with Tanya Roberts, which involves rappelling down the side of a mountain. One small problem, though, that Death Guard splits the rope they're using and they fall right into a giant cart of hay. Yeah, that father from before, the one who uh, its child was saved, is there right in the nick of time with that cart of hay. Did you notice something about our change for our female star here? No, what about it? All of a sudden in this scene, her outfit changed. Like I she, didn't see that at all. Yeah, she went from wearing a very similar colored, it's all sort of beiges, but like the slave gear to almost like warrior outfit. And they even oh. mentioned that she was a warrior. I did notice that. I did notice where the stripes of the tiger are clearly visible in the <laughs> panther in some scenes. Like the, yeah. in the face. They don't do a good job of masking the stripes in the face. That was very clear that it was on a panther. Yeah, this definitely happening a lot at this point in the movie. This is where I think the animal probably just got wet, right? Like it either had Maybe, drinks or yeah. there was a lot of water in that area and it just started to come off where its sort of face was. Something happened. Either way, it was very obvious. I didn't notice the wardrobe change though. But they're about home free here, uh, except the gate is closed. So the Beastmaster gets the hawk to fly the ferrets to a place where they can chew through some rope to release a counterweight and open the gate, which they do after biting a guard's dick. Yeah, they that, were, was, <laughs> that was very enjoyable. 
So everyone was chasing after them. We have a bunch of these death guards about to sort of plow down on them while they're waiting for this gate to open. But luckily, right as that gate comes down, you see those death guards slide after them and all three of them eat it in the chest with one of those gate spikes. It's pretty awesome. Okay, it is pretty awesome, except the way they shoot this, those guys slide and they stop and they clearly move themselves into position for the gate to plunge through. Like it's, it's a very clear thing. Yeah. Better editing would have sussed that out. But yeah, I mean, it's a cool death. But again, it, the, the it would have been very yeah, obvious. If you slowed it down, you would see all of this very, very clearly. It was pretty Big funny. Yeah. Um, but I liked the choice. I thought it was funny that they had it kill all three of these sort of monsters that were created. I thought for a minute, maybe because they were like animals now that our beast master would be able to control these death monsters. Yeah, I remember you mentioned that. We saw yeah. how they're made because they refer to them as like no longer being human. And so yeah. Yeah, it didn't work out though. Didn't work out that way. No. So they're out now, but Rip Torn is still out there. So they need to go get him. But first they need a plan. And the old man, the king, he's got one. Unfortunately, the first part of that plan includes denouncing the beast master. He is a freak. The freak who speaks to animals. But father, I need no coward by my side. Yeah, he calls him a freak and he tells him, him to get out of there. He doesn't That's your own care. son, man. He doesn't know that at the time. Wait till he tries to fuck his own cousin and send him out of the kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. This is the point where the king is trying to do his best Charleston Heston impression. He just sort of goes off on this rant and really lays into the Beastmaster, but also into the people. Um, they find out some information that their plan to go storm the gates has been found out because of that creepy ring. Well, yeah. Also, unfortunately, that fucking kid, who I guess is also the king's son, he's the heir to the throne, he's wearing the eyeball ring, and he's asleep, and it opens up, and now fucking Rip Torn can see this whole plan, so they know. And, like, to his credit, Seth, the, the fucking... Main guard Seth, guy. Yeah, yeah. The, the black guy. Yes. He, Seth, he Seth tries to change this. his yeah, mind. He sees yeah. This. yeah, yeah. He stops the ring. He actually pokes out the eye, and then we see one of those you would have sex with witches lose an eyeball. <laughs> Come on, um, man. <laughs> it's too late, though. The king goes ahead with his plan. They ignore Seth's instructions. They all get captured, and they're fucked. So it's now up to the Beastmaster to save the day just as we knew it would be. If you were the Beastmaster, what would you have felt like at this point? He's already walked off and been in tears. We had some dramatic music and some tears running down his face. His dad didn't want him. Would you just be like, well, fuck these guys? Or would you go and respond? Because oh, you want to save Tanya Roberts. He needed to get his cousin sn- yeah, You can't fuck your own cousin if she's dead. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, you can, but it's uh, <laughs> significantly less appealing. It's a little less warm. <laughs> God damn it. he rides into town just in the nick of time as they're about to sacrifice tanya roberts the ferrets free his friends and he sword fights his way up the temple steps he quickly dispatches the guards and stabs rip torn in the chest but not before rip torn kills the king um good riddance that guy was a dick i mean he threw his own son away yeah he was fucking plowing everybody his son who was there to save him, he, he tosses him away because he can speak to animals. Who cares about that king? The new king is here, Tao. But wait, Rip Torn is still alive, and he approaches from behind to stab the Beastmaster, but one of the ferrets bravely sacrifices itself, jumping on Rip Torn's neck, biting it, and causing him to fall into the very fires he tried to throw that kid into earlier. Yes, Rip Torn gets sacrificed on his own sacrificial fire, 
which is kind of great. That pyre, he goes up. Unfortunately, one of our two ferret friends is gone as well. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a sad moment there. Um, Fucking th- Kobo or Pogo or whatever the fuck. They <laughs> you don't seem so sad about this. One of the cool parts about this movie is that they use the real animals and that they do a pretty good job managing them in yeah. the scenes. So you're, you're like... You are a little bit genuinely sad that that ferret is gone. To be clear, they did not kill a real ferret. No, no, no. absolutely. Yeah. But um, I think because they use real animals, there's probably a stronger connection to what happens to them in the movie. So we talked about this a little bit as we were watching it. The fact that it's not just CG animals, it, it does lend a realism to it. I mean, aside from the fucking painted tiger to be a panther. <laughs> but like, the yes. fa- and I always say this, my problem with CG is it's clear that it's not happening in the same space. When you've got real animals, when you've got actual sets and stuff is happening in actual physical location, it lends something to it that I really appreciate. And so I get what you're saying, and I do agree. And at this point, what with Rip Torn being dead, to me, it really feels like the movie should be over. But it's not. They didn't win yet because what's still out there? What is that last thing standing in their way of happiness and cousin f***ing? That fucking invasive horde army, the the the, what are Juns. They the Juns, they show up and we get another 10 minutes of sword and sorcery battle that personally I didn't need. Yeah, this is interesting. Um, they do sort of a gearing up montage of sorts. They are preparing this town for the invasion of the Juns. They hide the moat that's usually around and remove the bridge so that the Juns will ride their horses into water. Uh, they also have this trap set where they intend to run out with some flames and explode all of those animals that get caught in the water. This is kind of interesting because the people who were sent to do it all take an arrow. And so the new king, Including Cal, the, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, the kid he, takes one. He picks up that torch ready to go save the day himself and eats an arrow only for the Beastmaster to come out there and light a guy on fire and kick him into the river. That explosion is massive. We get a giant explosion. I think accidentally big. We I were, think we were debating it whether it was yeah. real because part of the set catches on fire. Yeah. Is that on purpose? No, and flames are all over the actors and actresses. I think this was one where they put too much fuel into the water that they explode because... You mean to tell me that the crack team at Leisure Investment Company didn't properly uh, <laughs> wait this explosion? Hang on a second here. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah. This felt like a Leisure ex- <laughs> a leisure Company style explosion. All right, fair enough. They definitely didn't measure out how much to throw down there. Yeah. And I, I would put money on the fact that this was a lot bigger than they thought it was going to Fair enough. It's a pretty cool shot. Like, I like the way that this happens. You're right that it's not necessary, but what we're building here is the sort of final last gap. This is the last thing that they have to get over, and things start looking bad for our heroes. Despite their plan working pretty well, the Jund army is too large, and they get surrounded. We have a little bit of a battle now between our Beastmaster and the leader of the Jun army, the one who killed his father. How's that go? Yeah, they're in trouble here, but the Beastmaster does manage to defeat the leader and kill him. And just then, with the rest of the army closing in, those weird bird-worshipping creatures from before show up. I guess, like, the hawk took the amulet to them or something. It's not totally clear. It is clear. The Beastmaster gives the hawk the amulet to go get them. Right, but why did that mean they would be summoned and appear? I don't know. Whatever. The Beastmaster knew this. There was a Pledge of Allegiance when that sort of <laughs> oh necklace was given. We knew this was why that scene was at the start, right? But 
What happens is the bird army shows up and they very quickly wipe out the Juns. Well, yeah. All I know is that hawk traveled a very far distance very quickly and so did those bird creatures. But yes, this whole thing is cool except for the part where you can clearly tell that these creatures are just humans in masks. They did a bad, too many close-ups on the face. It's cool except for one close-up. The whole thing is great until they try to do a... Beastmaster meets eyes with one of the creatures. Like a head nod, like a a well done. And when they do that, you can clearly see they've fucked up the makeup around the eyes of this creature. And it doesn't doesn't look look real real anymore. And you're just like, oh, you could have done it from like darkness or distance and it would have been way better. But the high sorcery lover in me enjoyed this weird kind of solution. It is a little bit too convenient, I think, to an army smashing you to have this weird, like, alien bird creatures come and save the day. But Oh, you know. that's one of the many convenient things in this movie. Either way, they're home free now, and the Beastmaster is technically supposed to be the king. Seth sees the mark on his hand and knows he was the firstborn, but... The Beastmaster would prefer to roam the countryside and f*** his own cousin. So he abandons the throne, gives it up to that kid towel, and that's basically it. (laughs) I mean, to be fair to the Beastmaster, he walks away without his cousin. He is going to leave her behind too so that Tal and the rest of the survivors can enjoy a life together. But she walks all the way through that desert to find him because... She wants it. She loves him. She loves him. You're right. I apologize. Um, so the movie kind of finishes off with our Beastmaster and his beast and Making his cousin. Making out yeah. on top of a mountain. Well, the panther walks. I don't think the panther enjoys cousins. It wasn't walking away. It was standing there. It was standing there watching them. Now, the real question Uh, is, can he watch himself nailing his cousin through the panther's eyes? Yes. Probably, right? Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Oh, like watching a porno star yourself. That's what you would be doing all the time. You wouldn't be peering in on others. cannot confirm or deny that. You would be using animals to watch yourself bang on just the reg. I don't even know what to say about this, except I was really, really hoping we were going to get a freeze frame right here, and we didn't. You wanted I to wanted see one so a bad. shot from the hawk while he was f***ing his cousin finished. on Oh, my God. This is a massive edit. No, I thought he was going to pull back from the kiss, and it was going to be him turned towards the camera. The wind's blowing his fucking hair, and then it's fucking freeze frame. Didn't happen. Missed opportunity, in my opinion, although, in my opinion, every movie should have the freeze frame. Either way... With that, we're into the credits and we're out of here. And I like I don't know, man. This was just, to see this whole thing start to finish, it took me back because I recognized parts of it, but the whole thing start to finish. What an effort by whoever, like the people who made this. This was a real attempt by them. They put a lot of time and effort into like the sets, the costumes. Oh, God, yeah. All of it. This has a full musical score. All of the sound and music is done by a full band. Right? Like, this is not just grabbing songs and throwing it over. This orchestra? Is, yeah, it has an orchestra. It has an orchestra score. The effort put into this, you have to give full credit to it for sure. I agree. So let's go to the ratings right now because it feels like the right time. The way we always do this, we rank it on a scale of 1 to 10 two times. Once for how bad it is. Once for how enjoyable it is. And the goal is to find movies that are 10 out of 10 on both scales. Or as we call it, the Crit 20. And I have to say, for me... This is in play because this movie is 10 out of 10 bad. It is exactly the kind of low-budget production with laughable effects and terrible acting and a vaguely nonsensical plot that, to me, so perfectly encapsulates the best intentions just gone horribly wrong. 
Like this was clearly the dude who plays the Beastmaster sucks. Also, we put that out there. Like he's got a very fit body. Yeah, but he's he much like those witches. He's got a butter face. I'm like, you <laughs> can't is, find a yeah. more handsome muscle man to be your main character. It's funny because I feel like they managed in some shots to make him look um, handsome or attractive. Yeah, and then other close-ups, he just looks awful. He's the very poor man's Mark Hamill. We already mentioned that, but yeah. like the costumes, whatever, a lot of loincloths. Even the kid was in a loincloth. That they was kind of strange. They didn't do a lot on costuming. I actually no. would have liked a lot more effort put into that if yeah. I was being fair. So I have this as a 10 out of 10 bad because like just despite their best intentions, just clearly this was not a crack team. The fine folks that uh, leisure fucking suit. leisure investment company yeah. <laughs> best intentions didn't hit the nail on the head. That's my opinion. 10 bad. What do you think? So in my notes, I wrote down uh, bad acting, budget, bad acting. <laughs> I actually forgot I had written it as one. <laughs> bad acting. So it actually showed up on both one and three. Yeah. Um, there was nobody carrying any load in terms of performance in this one. It was it was brutal. Um, I thought that the use of the places they had chosen locations. Yeah. yeah. The locations yeah. worked for it. You're right. This sort of staging and stuff didn't work. It was very dark. And I guess that was partly mood, but I also felt like that was done to hide a lot of lack of detail. And yet when those bird creatures showed up, they didn't hide it enough. No, no, clearly didn't. Uh, with all that being said, I also rated it a 10 bad. There you go. Yeah, so it's, it's possible. It is one of those movies that is a, you can't go anywhere else from it, right? Looking back yeah. on it, it, it doesn't hold, um, anything that would make you feel like it wasn't a 10 bad movie. Now, that didn't mean it wasn't enjoyable. But how enjoyable was it? Because we all know you have a massive hard-on for sword and sorcery stuff. We talked about this in season one with Conan and the Destroyer. Yeah. We talked about it in Flash Gordon earlier this season yeah. where you handed out your first and so far only Crit 20. It's so true. it's in play. How enjoyable did you find the Beastmaster? <laughs> I enjoyed myself. Um I liked the music. I thought it was great that it had a, a score and an orchestra did it. I liked the mood they created. I liked the kind of world and the vision they had for it, I guess. If that's, <laughs> they had if a that's vision. A better road. They, they had, had a, a plan vision, yeah. And they committed to it. Did it always make sense? No. Were there things <laughs> in it that um, were baffling, like those weird bird people? Absolutely. Why they chose to make them cousins seems like a strange choice, so too. Odd. There's no reason for that. She could have been anyone. She could have been anyone in the kingdom. I feel like the writer had, had a strange like feeling about their cousins, oh, and they were a, trying to justify This is a great it. theory of yours. If we heard about yeah. this in Blame It on Rio. Yeah, you yeah. love putting the heat on the writer? Yeah, oh, yeah. Maybe the writer had some weird sexual thing. Yeah. Yeah, it has to be. There's no other reason to make that choice. <laughs> Why would you try to justify something like this if you weren't dealing with it yourself, right? Oh, my God. So that's what I feel about that. The explosion um, that happened that wasn't supposed to it's happen, I think, was yeah. huge and kind of interesting I, with all that being said this was really close but i gave it a nine. Ooh, it was so close so close yeah. and, and i thought about throwing it down but when i reflect back on flash gordon it just didn't hit the same amount of laughs yeah this was not as fun as flash it gordon, didn't hit no. the same amount of like bright colors and cool costuming and just absurdity that made that a pure 10 enjoyment for me i still really enjoyed this Partly because it sucks so hard, <laughs> but also because it was sword and sorcery, which I love so much. But it was too dark at times. It had some confusing stuff. It was missing a little bit more of the blood or grittiness or nudity that like, I was going to ask if more there, nudity right? would have pushed you to attend. It, it would have helped. It, it would have helped, I think. <laughs> Reflecting on Flash Gordon, I don't think there was 
much there's none. That. there's none so yeah. that's not necessary for me to give something that but i felt like it needed to be a little more adult so that's why it ended as a nine for me but i definitely enjoyed watching it i would watch it again how about you so I also don't have it as a 20. I had it as an eight for enjoyment. I definitely enjoyed it for all the same reasons you did. It was ridiculous. The stuff with the animals fucking cracked me up. Like that Hawk vision, that those, those camera shot choices were really funny to me. Good action for what it was. Again, more blood would have helped. More nudity definitely would have helped. Like what you said, you really wanted more nudity, and I agree with you. Not to the same extent, but I agree with you a little bit. Um, <laughs> don't put that on me. <laughs> No, but this was a fun, good time. Like, it's just, you know, it's it's one of those movies where it's clearly a B-movie. I wish, in hindsight, I had watched this late at night. This feels like a late-night movie. You're up, you're just like, what the fuck is on TV, and this is on, and you just settle in and ride it out. Yeah, this would be a hilarious one to stumble into at, like, midnight. Yeah. And just stay up too late, getting a little bit, like... You're exhausted, which makes everything funnier, right? Yeah. I feel like that could definitely be a great spot to watch this one. I have it as neat, like I said. One less than you, but still very enjoyable. I will definitely watch this again, and I am so, so glad that I bought the Vinegar Syndrome VSU special edition of this. It was worth it. Strongly recommend. We've already sang Vinegar Syndrome's praises so many times, but if you have not ever bought a Blu-ray or 4K HD release from Vinegar Syndrome... Get on that. They are great for fucking weird shit genre films. And this is a this is a classic 80s sword and sorcery attempt. And I love the attempt. Eight bad for me. So an 18 for me and a 19 for you. Great scores. Those great scores. Gotta be some of our highest of the season for sure. Absolutely. Um, we didn't mention a ton, but it was pretty impressive. The actors chilling with that tiger the whole time and going through all those moments. Oh, with we the did animals, talk right? about that a little bit. Like, would you have been comfortable with that? I would not have been. Yeah, uh, no. that was a lot, right? Tigers, I would not like to hang out with. They're death machines. Yeah. They're fucking walking death machines. What about this beer, walking death machine? Uh, I'll be honest. When we got these beers from Little Beast, we bought a few different things, and I drank, uh, this is the only one I have left, I drank the rest of them, and I really enjoyed some of the other stuff. This pale ale, for me, is a little too... I don't know if it's a little too hoppy, but there's some kind of flavor here that is like, it just to me is stiffer than a regular pale ale. I like pale ales mentioned at the beginning, but this is giving me a little kick that I'm I'm kind of finding like, you know, tough for me. It definitely fell on the super hoppy, more savory right? rather yeah. than sweet side. I even got like lemon and dill out yeah, of it. We, I asked you, I, I took a sip and I'm like, there's something in this. It's almost like spicy. Yeah. And uh, a couple of the beers I had from them were flavored. We tried a beer that was a black garlic beer from them, and the garlic was very prevalent. This, I'm like, there's something in here, not according to the ingredients, but I also got, when you said dill right away, I was like, oh, fuck yeah, that's what it is. It tastes like dill. I don't know why. And that must be the amount of hops or the type of hops they use. They definitely leaned more into that flavor, and uh, that's definitely my preference. This was, I would drink a ton of these. This, for me, is a beer that I would crush. Um, but I understand why you might prefer a sort of sweeter or more straightforward kind of beverage. No, for me, yeah, for me, it's a no. I wouldn't do this one again. But I did thoroughly enjoy many other beers I tried from Little Beast. If you like the the kind of Belgian style, I don't know too many other craft breweries that are making that in this amount. They have like several versions of a Belgian style yes. ale. And like, man, like I, I enjoyed a lot of their stuff. So Little Beast, definitely worth checking out. Yeah. Cool can art also. Yeah, they have really nice art. It, it's a good point there on the Belgian style. It's a real focus of the brewery. And they tend to be sort of more tart or sour or have more almost like funky flavors to them. Which, which you know I love. Yeah, me too. I think that's one of the things that crosses for us. So we really like that style. So check out some beers from Little Beast for sure. What are we going to be checking out next week? Well, next week we have 
an absolute classic in the 90s action genre. And I am ashamed that we have gotten this far in our podcast run without doing a movie starring Steven Seagal. (laughs) It seems like a glaring oversight Uh, on our part. And next week, we are going to correct that oversight by watching what is probably his greatest movie. Next week, we're watching Under Siege. Oh, man. Uh, So Steven Seagal is probably the shittiest action star from the (laughs) 80s and 90s for sure. I mean, I don't It's hard to say that because there were movies that like legitimately starred Dolph Lundgren. I would take Dolph over him. I can barely speak English. I I would absolutely take Dolph over him in a moment. I'd take Stallone over him. Schwarzenegger, obviously. JCVD. Oh, God, yes. But Dolph Lundgren? I don't know, man. Uh, So I I am not a fan of Seagal. Slow, big. Slow is a great adjective to describe his lumbering performance. Although I have seen this movie, and if I remember correctly, I did enjoy it. So we're going to have to see if that still holds up next week. Definitely. I'm looking forward to that. Before then, if you have not already, please follow us on social media at the BMB Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you, either some feedback about our episodes, maybe some suggestions for beers or movies or combinations of both. If you want to send us an email, it's at the BMB Podcast at gmail.com. Absolutely. We always love to hear from you, and we hope you'll join us next week for Under Siege. Until then, I'm Cooper. And I'm Nolan. And we'll see you next time on Bad Movies and Beer. Keep it in the family. Oh, come on, man. (laughs) The epic adventure of a new kind of hero.